Hello everyone, welcome to the online service of Every Nation Reimsich, where we see lives, communities and society transformed through discipleship in the word, the presence and the power of God. Today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. We appreciate you. We love you. We love how you love your families. We love how you call out the identity and the future of your children. Thank you for all you invest in the next generation. We are continuing our Rebuild series, and we are talking today about fathering a nation. Tsekhofatso, Pule, hang on a tree. The tragedy of it, the life of her child extinguished at the same time as her life was extinguished. When you read of these kinds of tragedies, your heart cries out, where are the fathers of the nation? Where are the fathers of the nation? Where was her father? Where was, where was the man that was the father of her child? And, and why, were, why wasn't she safe? Why wasn't she safe? And so today I want to dedicate this sermon to her and the many women in South Africa who have undergone gender-based violence. God is about healing nations. And part of the ways he heals South Africa or is healing South Africa is you, dads. He's calling you up. He's He's putting his heart in you. He's causing a generation of fathers to arise that will father the nation. Recently, our president made a statement that shocked me. He said that 51% of women in South Africa have experienced gender-based violence. Think about that. That means that when you are at work, half the women in your office have, exper have experienced violence against them. When you're sitting in your friend circles, Half of those women have experienced violence, perhaps even in your families. This must change. This must change. And God has a plan to change it. So Lord, I want to pray that as we go through the sermon, that Father God, you would put in place building blocks in us that, that would cause the nation to be changed, or at least our environments to be changed. And that together would change the nation, Lord God. And I, and I pray for South Africa, Lord God, that men of integrity and substance and godliness would arise. Lord, I ask that you would do a miracle in our nation. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Believe it or not, the Bible lists four barriers to evil, four things that stand in the way that push back evil from a nation. The first is the will, the character of the individual. The second is the family, that, that embrace of love that is the institution of family. The next is the church and the last is the state. And I want to talk today about the family. Certainly God is a family. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's in relationship with Himself. The Bible says He is love. Love is a relationship. God is at work within Himself. He's creating a family, an environment of love. And when God builds, He builds with that same blueprint over and over again. God builds through family. Family, indeed, is the building block of society. It's the building block of God's kingdom on earth. Psalm 22 says that God is a father to the fatherless and he puts the lonely in families. Genesis 12, he said to Abraham that through Abraham, the covenant he would make with Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. 
Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. In other words, God has a household and you and me are in it. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. God is reproducing His heavenly family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on earth. The nature, the character, the values, the relationships of who He is, He's reproducing on earth. His kingdom on earth looks like a family. God leads His family as a father. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He came to show us that God was a father. God leads as a father. There's a wonderful verse, Genesis 1 verse 31. God talking about his leadership of Israel. And he says this, in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. All the way that you went until you came to this place. In other words, he's saying that, that God treated Israel like his family with him as the father, caring for Israel as a son, as a father would treat a son. John 14 verse 9 says this, Jesus speaking, he says, whoever has seen me has seen the father. In other words, when Jesus came, he came with a mandate to reveal the nature of God and that nature is one of a father. I want to work through a passage of scripture that's very well known. It's from Genesis, Genesis 2. It's the second account of creation. We have two accounts of creation in the book of Genesis. The first is Genesis 1, and it's a very technical account. This is what happened at this time. Then we have another account of creation, and it's Genesis 2. And here God talks about more of the personal aspects of creation, and he, he narrows down to day 6 when he created mankind, and he, he kind of expands on the understanding of how that was done. It's filled with relationship and we see how God establishes his family on earth through mankind. He creates a garden and he puts his family in that garden and he begins to relate to his children as a father. I'm going to be reading Genesis 2 from verse 4. It says this, these are the generations of the heavens and earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant in the field had yet sprung up, sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10 to 14 goes on and talks about four rivers. We're going to skip that part and go right to verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whenever the man called every living, uh, sorry, and whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. 
The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took out one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the, God, that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Here we have a picture. A picture of the family of God. God, like I said, creating the safe space with barriers and boundaries where, where man could grow and blossom and become all that he was meant to be. We see him establishing the relationships of a family and we see him training man and inviting mankind into tending his garden and gives him an occupation and a job to do but but he also gives him a relationship an intimate relationship and gives the parameters of governance of how this family would work i love how it starts this this story it says that the lord god formed man from the dust of the ground the word for man is Adam and the word for ground is Adama. It's like out of Adama came Adam. I love that word formed because it's such an intimate word. When we see the first account of creation, God is just spewing out words and worlds are forming and things are happening. But this is so much different. It's God gets down on his knees, puts his hands in the dirt and begins to form mankind. The image is of, of a potter molding the clay. God formed Adam. He molded him. What I love about this is it's kind of got a twofold thought that is associated with it. First of all, God physically creates Adam. But when we see him in the garden and his interactions with Adam, it's more than a physical formation that was happening. There's also a spiritual formation. There's a growth, a character formation. God is forming more than just a physical being. He's forming a human being. He's forming someone who can relate to him. He's forming the character and the personality and the life of that person in the same, in, in that environment. And you know, when I look at fathers, this is so true. It's, it's, Almost like God becomes the model of what it means to be a father. Very often we can get our model or we can get our image of what it is to be a father from the media, from the person next door, from our previous family. I don't know where you come from, but I want to say this to you that your previous family, no matter how good it is, God is leading you into a personal relationship with Him where His fathering becomes a model for your fathering. And of course, you will bring things from your family of origin, the good you will bring with it. But God will, God will take generation to generation and make our fathering better and better. I often think of that program, that series, Modern Family, and I I think about how the media portrays fathering to us in so many different ways. I think of um, Thor and Loki's dad, you remember, and how he had, if you watch that movie, and the, how he rejected the sister, and the sister became this raving, angry killer. And, you know, so often media portrays family and fathers in so many different ways. And, and we can be tempted to model ourselves. I hope you're not modeling yourselves over anything out of Marvel Comics. But, but I, 
we, we can model our fathering out of what we see coming from the media. God wants something better for all of us. He wants to become the model for the way we do family. God, when I look at the way he fathered Adam in the Garden of Eden, when how he fathered Eve in the Garden of Eden, how he fathered us as a human race in that garden, I see that the foundation, the outline, the blueprint are something beautiful and magnificent. So fathers today, I really do want to give you some, some clues, some steps, some handles on God's fathering becoming your fathering. And in so doing, as you father your children, think of this more as I'm, I'm forming, I'm forming the spiritual nature. I'm forming the heart and the character of my sons and daughters in a way that they will go out in themselves, father and love in a way that this nation will be changed. The Garden of Eden, the word Eden, interestingly, interestingly enough, means delight or pleasure. It was a place of delight or pleasure where everything was perfect, everything was right, everything was in place. Another word for delight or pleasure is bliss. B-L-I-S-S, an unusual word, we don't use it very often, but bliss. This was, this was a place of bliss. It was a place of relational bliss. It was a place of bliss with God, just everything right and in its perfect place. And I want to use that word B-L-I-S-S to give you five handles on the kind of fathering that God exhibited in that garden that we can imitate in everyday life. The first one was boundaries. Of course, the garden had boundaries. The next was love. If God is love, we can see him operating and we have clues about how his love was operating with Adam and Eve and all of mankind in that garden. Identity. God calling out the identity of who Adam was. Self-control, safety, B-L-I-S-S. Boundaries, love, identity, self-control, and safety. When we look at boundaries, it says there in Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. God gave him a job description within the boundaries of the garden for everyone. We all have boundaries. We have boundaries of influence. We have boundaries of our socialization. We have boundaries of what we're called to do and what we're not called to do. God gave Adam boundaries. God said, this is your place and this is not your place. He gave him the physical boundaries of a garden, but these boundaries were meant to keep him safe and protect him from, from losing his mission and from becoming something he wasn't meant to be. At the same time, these boundaries involved responsibility. So God was telling him, this is your responsibility. Everything outside of this wall is not your responsibility. This is what fathers do. Fathers hand to their children ownership of, over small things, responsibilities. They, they teach them what the child is responsible for and what the child is not responsible for. God gave Adam ownership. He told him earlier in Genesis 1 that he was to fill the earth and subdue it. He gave, him, he gave him ownership. He said, this is your earth. 
So importantly, fathers, we give our children ownership. This is your bicycle. This is your room. You keep it. You watch over it. You, you do with it. This is your space. You, you make your space work. And so we doing, in so doing, we are training the character of our children. What we are doing in essence is we are strengthening the will of the child. We are giving them the tools necessary to live in an adult world where they are, they are able to operate in a way where they know what is their part and what are others' parts. A man by the name of Dr. Henry Cloud said this, Boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. Knowing what I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. Taking responsibility for my life opens up many different options. Boundaries help us keep the good in and the bad out. Setting boundaries inevitably involves taking responsibility for our choices. You are the one who makes them. You are the one that must live with their consequences. And you are the one who must be keeping yourself from making the choices you could be happy with. We must own our own thoughts and clarify distorted thinking. We are responsible for what we think. We are responsible for what we feel. Fathers give and teach children boundaries. Love. Genesis 3 verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's a little bit later down the story, but it gives us a clue as to the fact that God was coming to be with mankind. He was building a love relationship with mankind. He was walking in the cool of the evening, which is a, a kind of picture of we were just hanging out. We weren't working. We were just being together. We were being friends. God was building a friendship, a love relationship with Adam. Fathers, one of the most important things you do for your children is model the love of God. Something Andrew used to say to our children all the time is that I love you. Well, that's a good thing for fathers to say, but I love you, but there is one who loves you even more than us. I am your earthly father, but you have another father, and that's your heavenly father. And the love I give you, which I'm giving you with all my heart, pales in comparison to the great love that he has for you. I'm here to introduce you to your, your permanent father, who is your heavenly father. Interestingly enough, something psychologists talk about is that the love we experience in families, the unconditional love, the acceptance, the, the face that lights up when the child walks in the room that communicates to them, you're accepted, you belong, you mean something to me, you're valuable. valuable. This kind of love opens up love channels. It opens up in the child the capacity to be loved. It's almost like growing up in a home, a child learns how to be loved. And interestingly enough, children who grow up in an unloving environment never, even if you put them later in very loving environments, they battle, battle, battle to feel loved even when they are being loved. Why? Because there's something that happens as fathers love their children that opens up in their heart capacity to be loved. This love is shown through physical touch, through play, through attending to the physical needs of the child. It, it 
comes from the father's presence at the important moments of a child's life, when they wake up, when they go to sleep, at their birthdays, at, at particular junctions of their life, at their graduations, at their prize givings, at their games, sports games, at their um, art exhibitions. The father's presence there creates in the child a sense of being loved. Identity. God in the, in the garden was call, called Adam and said, you go ahead and, and name all these animals. What was he doing? He was, he was teaching him about the world. He was together with him. He was saying, look at all these animals. You name them, but together, this is, this is your dominion. And this is what you have. And this is what you are to rule over. And him and Adam together were exploring and understanding the world. God, God through Adam was naming creation. God, in fact, named Adam. Genesis 17 verse 5, we see God actually naming or changing the name of one of the great heroes of our faith, Abraham. God says to Abraham, no longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. God Part of, part of what a father does is they name their children. They call out their identity. They tell them who they are. They stand with them and look at the world and say, that is what this is. That is what this is. They help the child to identify, understand, assimilate their world. They help the child to know who they are. Every time you call out your name of your child, every time you speak into their identity by saying, you're great, you're a great soccer player, you, or any aspect of their identity, you, you call to speak well, you you carry the, the nature of God. Anything that a father speaks to a, a child that calls out their identity, speaks to them who, are, who they are, is the same as how our Heavenly Father speaks to us. Fathers are called to call out the identity of their sons and daughters, to name their sons and daughters, so to speak, and to name the world with their sons and daughters. Self-control. One of the craziest parts of this Genesis story, verse 16 and 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You will surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, and the day of you eat of it, you shall surely die. Why did God put that second tree in the garden? It's like putting temptation, like, it's like putting a cake on my, a piece of cake on my breakfast plate every morning and telling me not to eat it. Oh my word, that's, that's just cruel. No, but God wasn't being cruel. God wasn't just putting temptation in man's way and just seeing what he would do with it. God was doing a, a fantastic thing. God was doing a fathering thing. God was saying to Adam, I'm giving you choices. I'm training you for freedom. I'm showing you how to live in a free universe. What does that mean? Freedom always involves choice. When we are training our children, we give them small choices and we help them make right choices so that they learn how to live in freedom. God was teaching Adam self-control. You know, when we look at gender-based violence in our country, I have to say this, one of the issues is a complete lack of self-control. If I want that woman, I will take her. If I have a need, I will express it. I will just do what I feel like I want to do right now. Why? Because when the family is broken down, the self-control that we learn in the family of how to treat one another, 
of how to love one another. I love that that God um, put and God first named the animals with with Adam, and then it became obvious that that Adam needs, needed something more than these animals, and then he introduced Eve to him. What was he doing? He was creating value in Adam's eyes for the woman that he was going to bring to her. So much of what fathers do in their relationship with their wives is that they reveal to the children the value for women, the value for one another, the value for the vulnerable. When children grow up in a home where a, where a father is protective, where a father is exhibiting self-control, he's not just venting his feelings and his desires everywhere, where they see a man controlling himself and loving others, they learn internal self-control themselves. Self-control facilitates freedom because to the degree that you have internal control, is the degree to which external control is not necessary. Fathers teach their children self-control. And last of all, as God did in the garden by creating this garden of the safe space for Adam, fathers create safety. The garden was a place of shelter from the untamed forces of nat nature, just as family should be a place of shelter from the untamed forces of humanity. For a father's presence brings shelter in the storm. A father's presence is a place of nurture. A father's presence is the defense against the evil of the world out there. And fathers, as you, as you father your children, I just want to commend you for the times that you've created boundaries, the times that you have loved unconditionally, the times, the times that you have called out the identity of your children, the times that you have created self-control and the times that you have been those giant arms of safety around them, the times that you have defended them, the times that you have loved them, the times that you've called them out, the times that you've taught them, the times that you've nurtured them, is you getting down on your hands and knees and molding, not just the physical body of your children, but molding the spiritual formation of your children. God is a family. He leads his family as a father. Fathers facilitate the natural and spiritual formation of their children by teaching and modeling godly boundaries, love, identity, self-control, and safety. God bless you. Lord, I pray for every man watching this. Whether you're, whether you're a father or not, I just, I just pray for the heart of a father in you. That as you hear this, Lord, that you would just give them a desire to be the kind of father that you've called them to be. At the same time, there are people watching this that as you hear this, you, you realize that you, you didn't have a father like that. And to some degree, there's a yearning in your heart for a father like that. I want to mention to you that, that God is that father. And no matter how wonderful your earthly father is, and no matter how much he tries, he probably will never meet up. To the ideals of who God is. But yet God, God will make up. He indeed is a father to the fatherless and puts the lonely in families. And he wants to do that for you. He's reaching out right now and offering a place at the table, at the family table, offering you a place in his Eden, in his home, in his household. And if that's you, I hear him just speaking to you. Will you take my hand and will you walk with me into the family of God? 
Will you come and receive my love? There's some of you that, that for that, that is, a, that is a need right now. And I want to pray for you. Lord God, Father God, people watching this, where there's a hole in their heart, there's a feeling of emptiness, a lack, because they, did, they didn't have this kind of nurture, these boundaries, this love, this identity, this self-control, this safety, that, was, that is meant to be a part of a godly family led by a godly father. Lord God, I ask that you would, you would nurture them and you would, you would touch those places and fill them right now. You would let them know that you are with them and you are their father. There are people watching this and moms and maybe the father of your children left a long time ago, maybe voluntarily or maybe out of sickness or disease or there was some calamity that happened. I want to say this to you. That God, it not only is their father, but he's your husband. He will step into that place and he will make a way for these things to happen in your home. And I want, to hear, I want you to hear the voice of your father saying this. Thank you. Thank you for, your lo for loving your children even when it was difficult. Thank you for being physical mom and dad to them. Thank you for being, going the extra mile, making the sacrifices, staying with them. And I hear him making you this promise. I will be with you and I will be a father to your children. And last of all, I want to, I want to just speak to the woman and say this, that there's, there's a place that, that for many of you, when we hear about all this gender-based violence happening, that can can leave you feeling torn and alone. Perhaps you've even experienced some level of violence and, and the men you'd hoped to protect you in, ended up being the men that harmed you. And I, I really want to say this to you, that there's a God who heals. And in the kingdom, these are not the ways it is meant to happen. And if you're undergoing it at the moment, would you speak to us so we can help you? And if it's been in the past, would you speak to us so we can help you be healed? We want you to know that there is a future for you and it's beautiful and it's bright and it's filled with love. So I want to pray for those people who, who either have lost a father or who have um, lost a spouse or who are living without a spouse or who have experienced gender-based violence. Right now, Lord God, I pray that you would heal those places of their hearts. Lord God, you would stand strong and firm around them, that they would feel your presence. They would know you about them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Last thing I want to pray for is that if you are here and you've been living far away from your Heavenly Father, whether you had a good father or not, you, you've, you've kind of said, I don't know that I need God, but now you're realizing that you do need Him and you want to make a change in your life. I want to pray for you. So would you, pre Sorry, would you repeat this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, I come to you. Lord, I surrender my life and I ask that you would be my savior. And I ask that you would bring me before my heavenly father that I might participate in this incredible family of the living God. Amen. God bless you. Have a powerful week.